Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Many prominent figures of the Old Testament are important not only because of the actual events associated with their lives historically, but also because they represent or typify something greater and more significant than themselves. For example, in the New Testament, Moses still typifies the law, and similarly, Elijah represents the prophets. Of course, Moses and Elijah were godly and used by him to advance his purpose in the Old Testament age. But there's another Old Testament figure that was utterly evil and led God's people into idolatry and iniquity and is also referred to in the New Testament, typifying the idolatry and iniquity that still consume many of God's people today. Today we come to consider the evil prophetess Jezebel from the books of First and Second Kings. Ron Kangas is with us for this important program. Ron, good to have you here. It is important to consider Jezebel historically and typologically, not because we wish to exaggerate the importance of Jezebel, but because we need to be faithful to what the Bible says on all things. And it might be appropriate at this juncture to remind our listeners that our approach to the study of the history books is to connect them to God's economy concerning Christ and the church in the way of typology. Mm -hmm. We take the history as it is written, respecting it, believing it, but we also realize that the entire Old Testament record of the history of Israel is a type And the fulfillment of that type is in the New Testament and also in the history of the Christian church. So since we're handling a passage that speaks of Jezebel, Mm -hmm. we might as well attempt to understand her situation historically and typologically as clearly and as forthrightly as we can to see at least the principle of what Jezebel is in the New Testament. Okay, let's talk about Jezebel, both in the historical context of the Old Testament book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, and then also, in a sense, prophetic context that we see her referred to in the New Testament. In 1 Kings 16, Jezebel is the wife of the king Ahab. Uh, Maybe say for the sake of our listeners a little bit about Ahab and the situation in Israel with the two kingdoms. Well, Ahab to say the least, was not a godly person. By that time, the division of the kingdoms had become established fact. That division took place because of Solomon's idolatry, the Lord rending 
the vast majority of the kingdom out of his hand, giving it to another. So you now have Ahab, who in his own right is an evil person. And there is no bias in what we are going to point out now. But if we read the record accurately, we will see that Jezebel was really a driving force behind the scene. For example, when Ahab felt bad that he couldn't acquire a certain piece of land, a vineyard, then Jezebel steps in and intrudes upon the situation and arranges for Naboth, the owner of that vineyard, to be put to death. Right. So Ahab is evil in his own right, but his evil was intensified through the influence of Jezebel. He joined himself to her in a very real and actual sense. He placed himself under her, thus subverting the proper headship in God's creation. And she exerted a pernicious evil influence, mainly through Ahab's office as king. Of course, uh, in chapter 16 of 1 Kings, uh, it tells us that she came from the house of Ethbaal, the king of the Sidonians, and uh, he went and served Baal and worshipped him. Of course, Baal was the idol god that was in intense rivalry for the affection of the children of Israel at this time, and she really uh, helped bring uh, this influence more uh, pronouncedly into Israel, didn't she? Yeah, right. There you see his joining himself as an act of will to a pagan woman and then absorbing the influence, worshiping Baal instead of the only true and living God. So they were quite a pair. Right. But in the sight of God and according to the record of the scriptures, Jezebel was the more evil of the two. Okay, let's look now at two references in the New Testament, one direct, the other indirect, but inferred to this one Jezebel, now in more of the sense of what she represents typologically in the New Testament era. You mentioned the passage, Ron, Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. This is in John's epistle to the church in Thyatira. But I have something against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and leads my slaves astray to commit fornication and to eat idol sacrifices. I gave her time that she might repent, and she is not willing to repent of her fornication. Then the indirect reference, Matthew 13, one of the parables of the kingdom, and this is the Lord Jesus, and another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of the heavens is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. Let's join Witness Lee, Ron, then we'll come back and talk about these passages in his comments. In the whole universe, on this earth, among human race, there is such a name, Jezebel. The Old Testament in typology and the New Testament in fulfillment both stressed this name, Jezebel. Who is Jezebel? Jezebel in the Old Testament, the wife of that evil king Ahab was just a type. We all know the type is not the real thing. It's just a shadow. You know, in the Old Testament 
apology, nearly everything, every character is important. This Jezebel, as a shadow, is very, very important. But sorry to say, few Christians do know who is today's Jezebel. So many got poisoned by her. So many got treated by her. And so many got usurped by her. The Lord Jesus mentioned her name in Revelation chapter 2. Jezebel teaches the deep mystery of Satan. It was she in Matthew 13 as that woman who took the leaven, you may say the element of Satan, and put into the fine flour, which is a sign of the Lord Jesus, being food not only to us, but also to God. And that evil woman mixed up the leaven with this fine flour. Today, on the one hand, Jezebel recognizes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. She still teaches the deity of Christ. But on the other hand, a big portion of the leaven is put into this divine person of Christ. What is this? Leaven. No truth here. Ron, in these two uh, New Testament references, we have uh, the idolatry clearly referred to in Revelation chapter 2. Then in uh, this parable in Matthew 13, the leavening of the lump is the topic. Within the whole context of Christendom, surely there still is a significant entity that is exuding an influence in both of these areas on God's people in an apostate way, isn't there? We have to admit that this is just a fact. It's a sociological fact, a historical fact. What I would like to emphasize in our fellowship in light of brotherly sharing is the significance of leaven Mm -hmm. and why it is that according to the parable, a woman who at least in principle is the Jezebel, both in First Kings and in Revelation. Leaven in the Bible consistently signifies evil, sinful, corrupting things. That's its consistent meaning. Therefore, for leaven to be added to the fine flour, which in type signifies the humanity of the Lord Jesus and all the truth concerning him, the adding of leaven to this fine flour indicates an intentional mixture. And the purpose of that is to make something easier for people to accept, to take in, to assimilate. Mm-hmm. So the principle of Jezebel's adding leaven to the fine flour is that as Christianity would spread to different parts of the earth 
And as the Christian message, the gospel, was proclaimed, pagan things, even evil things, actual idolatrous things from whatever was the native religion, would be mixed with the gospel truth and the Christian message so that the people would find it more palatable. If we would engage in a a study of the historical development of Christianity as an institutional religion throughout the centuries, we will see that this has been, in fact, the case. But I say, I think now for the third time, Mm -hmm. at least as I'm participating in this fellowship, my burden is with the principle. Right that any time Christians wanting to propagate the gospel or to influence others to believe in Christ, add in secular, pagan, even corruptible and corrupting elements, that is in the principle of Jezebel's adding leaven to the fine flour. In the sight of God, this is an exceedingly evil and sinful thing. As we read, say, in the book of Acts, when the believers were announcing Christ and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, there was no leaven there. Right. They had the word, prayer, the spirit, with their one accord. So if we contrast that with this situation of leavening We see that the former is truly orthodox and in line with the divine revelation. The latter is the way of apostasy, the way of turning from the God-ordained way to another way and actually departing from the pure, divinely revealed truth in the scriptures. Hmm. Okay, let's go back to Kings now. In uh, 2 Kings, middle part of the book, Jehovah has had, it seems, all he can tolerate of the evils of this woman, Jezebel, and her husband, the evil king Ahab that we talked about a little while ago. And so he raises up one to execute a kind of judgment upon both of them, and his name is Jehu. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 7, it says, And you shall strike the house of Ahab your master, and I will avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of Jehovah at the hand of Jezebel. By this time, she was fully associated with uh, the shedding of the blood of God's servants, his prophets, and many faithful and innocent ones. And this uh, matter of the blood of the saints is a repeated matter in the next New Testament reference that we want to consider that Witness Lee will refer to, and that is in Revelation chapter 17, one of the most fearsome chapters, portions in all of Scripture, isn't it, Ron? It is, and once again, we need to let the text speak for itself. We should not be in a rush to make applications. On the other hand, neither should we uh, water it down. It is a fearsome judgment upon a system that the Bible calls Babylon the Great. We should be open to touch the Lord's feeling about this. We should agree with him concerning this as much as we agree with him regarding any other matter in the word. Paul, 
in another context, in Romans, he could speak of the kindness of God, but also of the severity of God. God is God. When he's kind, he is divinely kind. When he's severe, he is divinely severe. In Revelation 17, toward Babylon the Great, the consummation of Jezebel, he is surely divinely severe, and we should not try to mitigate this severity, but rather amen it, just as we amen the manifestation of the bride in Revelation chapter 19. Mm. All right, here's Witness Lee. Now we come to the reign of Jehu over Israel. This Jehu was an executor God used to carry out God's judgment on the whole house of Ahab. Elijah sent one of his disciples to anoint Jehu and to avenge the blood of so many God's faithful servants who were martyred by Jezebel. God has to avenge that blood for the people of God to enjoy the Holy Land. Everyone should be right. Everyone should be righteous. So Jehu was executing God's judgment on Jezebel by having her thrown down from the window by the eunuchs. The story was this. Jehu was executing God's judgment on Jezebel. At that time, she knew her husband was killed by Jehu already. Now Jehu came. She said something to mark Jehu. Jehu just said a word, a simple word. Five eunuchs, Jezebel's eunuchs, the eunuchs serving her, heard Jehu's word. Right away, they throw Jezebel out the window to the street. This means the five eunuchs hated her for years. <laughs> there was no time for them to do anything. But now Jehu came. The little bird, who would do this? Five eunuchs. Right away, threw that evil woman out of the window to the street. Then there on the street, she was trampled to pieces. Do you know what will be the uh, pitiful tragedy in the ending of the real Jezebel today? You better read Revelation chapter 17. She will be burned, the whole thing. There in Revelation 17, she was called the mother of all the harlots, and she herself was the great whore when Antichrist began to persecute, to get rid of all religions from the church. Antichrist burned her. Ron, we usually find a way to uh, end our programs on a positive note. Uh, it's a bit of a challenge given the context that we're dealing with here, isn't it? The judgment of Jezebel and kings, the historical Jezebel, 
and the judgment that's described in Revelation 17, it's hard to miss the parallels, and it is, as we're talking before, an exceedingly sober uh, consideration, isn't it? It is, and I agree. We like to end on a positive note, and I think we can in two ways. One is this parallel of the judgment executed through Jehu on the, the literal Jezebel, and the judgment executed by God through Antichrist on Babylon the Great, a system that is the consummation of Jezebel, are really parallel. They reflect each other. But whatever our God does in carrying out his economy is positive. It seems that the end of Revelation 20 is not that positive. So many negative things are cast into the lake of fire. Right. But you just imagine a universe where there's no devil, no sin, no death, no demons. That's a wonderful thing to have an evil, pernicious thing obliterated and annihilated. So from God's point of view, to clear away the apostate thing, the counterfeit thing, the evil thing, is a positive act. It's not an end in itself, and it's, and it's, but it's done for a positive purpose. Then, just as after Revelation 20, with the lake of fire receiving all negative things, you have the manifestation of the new Jerusalem as the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So, in Revelation 19, after Babylon, in its religious and material aspect, has been judged and removed, you have the unveiling of the bride of Christ yeah. and the marriage dinner of the Lamb. So, I'm not trying to be facile here, but I sincerely believe that we do have a positive conclusion. God positively judges Jezebel, Babylon, manifesting himself as righteous and holy in his judgment and ridding the earth of the apostate church. But because God's economy is aimed at having the bride as the counterpart of Christ, we can look forward to the fact that this kind of judgment is now going to clear the way for a glorious consummation Amen. of God's mm. economy. So as we agree with the Lord in his judgment, we look beyond the judgment to the wedding day, the rejoicing, the praising, the consummation, the eternal joy, and satisfaction. But there's a principle in the Bible. The devil always goes first. He runs ahead of God. God wants to have a woman, a bride, to match his son. The devil comes in to bring in an evil woman, a harlot, a prostitute. Since the devil wants to go first, what he judges, what he produces, must be judged first. <laughs> and God, who is patient and forbearing, once the devil has done what he can do and God has terminated all that the devil has done, he has the last word. So, we praise the Lord 
that our God will not be defeated. He will not be frustrated. He will righteously judge Babylon. According to Revelation 18, many will weep. But according to Revelation 19, the victors, the overcomers, will rejoice. We also rejoice because the evil is purged. And behold, the bridegroom with the bride Uh, is coming. Amen. Well, we couldn't possibly end on a higher, more positive note than that one. Thank the Lord. Amen and wonderful fellowship. Thank you, Ron. We have the printed life studies here. Of course, there's a lot of other uh, material that would confirm, develop uh, many of the things we talked about today. And if you'll give us a call at our toll-free number, uh, we'll talk to you about those items as well as uh, this printed life study of First and Second Kings. The toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.